Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. You guys, I feel like I kind of just want to get right into this one because I have to imagine most of you are in the same amount of shock as we are. As I'm sure you all are aware by now, Bob Saget passed away suddenly on Sunday night. He was found in his hotel room in Orlando while on tour. And God, this is one that just hits really hard. And I don't know the right thing to say at all. I think talking about this will probably feel a little bit healing and I kind of just want to reserve space for that. But wow, my heart is with his family and his friends and anyone who knew him deeply because he was really so loved. Yeah. This one feels different. And we've spoken about this where like some celebrity deaths just hit harder than others or feel more tragic than others. And this is definitely one of those ones that you're going to remember for a very long time. Yeah. And I also think that if you are someone like us who grew up in the 90s. He really was that television father and not only on Full House and you also saw him on America's Funniest Home Videos and just throughout our lives, he wasn't just a figure that kind of was present in our childhood and then faded into the background. I think that he really maintained himself as such a prominent figure in the industry and was just seemingly so well respected by everyone that came in contact with him that this just feels like a massive loss to the world. Yeah, it does. I think that element of being a TV dad and such a beloved TV dad really adds a different layer to this. And I was talking to my mom about this today because she was really very upset about this as well. And she was saying, you know, like, as a parent, when you would let your kids watch this father on television for so long and so much of their childhood, it's like you're leaving your kids with them. So when they pass away, it adds like a very different layer, especially as a parent. That's actually a really interesting perspective from her that I don't know if I've ever considered, but I so get where she's coming from. And I mean, even today when you see the tributes from Candace Cameron and Jody Sweden and the rest of the Full House family, it just goes to show how 
he was so cemented in that role in all of their lives. Obviously, he was a television father and brother, but it really seemed to go further than that and almost carry on to their relationships with him in the real world. Yeah, I was thinking about the Full House cast a lot, and so many people were, of course. But they were really one of those casts where obviously you knew them so well from the show and felt such a connection to them. But they really made their friendship after the show so apparent. And when they did the reboot of Fuller House, the joy they felt to be able to be back with each other was so palpable and so seen. And it was so much more, I think, about them being together than it was even just bringing it back into our homes. So when you have a cast like that, and that makes their friendship so known, especially between Bob, Dave, and John Stamos, it adds another layer of heartbreaking. Completely. And something that I feel like I noticed is that their admiration or appreciation of him was not something that was only expressed after his passing. You heard about this relationship for years and years. And something that I've picked up on just from reading so many different various tributes and knowing some people who knew him was that he really was that type of person that believed in expressing your love for people while they're still here. And I don't know if that comes from the fact that he had so much loss in his life. I know that he lost both of his sisters. And so I don't know if those experiences kind of shaped his perspective or the way that he interacted with the world, but it's really clear that I think he was the catalyst for the other people in his life also reciprocating that amount of love while he was alive, which, I mean, that's all you can want out of a person, famous or not, for them to feel the amount of love and respect while they're living. I know I said something similar with Betty White, but it just feels like Bob was the type that expressed that to people and he really got that back. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've picked up on as well, reading the tributes. And this is definitely a case as well where the things that people have to say about him aren't just the standard. It's like, the very personal tributes that people have with very personal and loving anecdotes about what a great guy and how nice he was and what an important figure in their lives he was is really like so plentiful from so many different people, not just comedians, not just the people that he was on different shows with, but people that you wouldn't have even expected him to be so close with. Yeah. I mean, I, on a little bit of a more personal note, my, best friend from college worked with him professionally and she was in contact with him constantly. And I don't know, sometime last year he had a show that was near my house in New Jersey and she came in for it and we went together and we were with him in his green room for probably an hour before the show. And I noticed that, you know, I, I feel like throughout us doing this, we've been with a lot of different people in professional capacities where we've seen how celebrities interact with people that work for them. And I was blown away at how appreciative and thankful and grateful he was towards her, you know, while we were in the room. And I, I made a comment to her after the fact. I was like, wow, he was so nice. Like he really made you feel so appreciated. And she was like, that's how he always is. She was like, he thanks me constantly and I'm just doing my job. But she always remarked about that way before, you know, he ever passed. We had this conversation probably a year ago. And that's just such a common thread, I feel like, with so many people that he he interacted with. I, fuck, this is just so sad. This is really tragic. Yeah, it's really sad. It's one of those ones that kind of doesn't even feel real still. I know. And the other thing that I think is really important to mention is that one of his sisters, Gay, passed away in 1994 from scleroderma. And since her passing, he really devoted so much of his life to 
awareness for this disease. And he became a part of the board of the Scleroderma Research Foundation. And since he became part of it, they've raised over $50 million. And I remember when he came on the podcast, us talking to him about this because one of the most important people in my life passed away from scleroderma. For anybody who doesn't know, it's basically a disease of overproduction of collagen and it affects skin and internal organs and tissue. And even just tonight, you know, we posted the Scleroderma Research Foundation's official statement with the link to donate. And we got so many responses to our story of various people, either who have scleroderma themselves or have loved ones who are directly affected and said, you know, in addition to missing Bob Saget as a person, it's also a huge loss for this community because he was such a source of gaining awareness and financial contributions to this. And so at the in the description of this, we're going to put a link to that. And if you are at all capable, it's really a disease that needs a lot more attention. And I feel like that is probably the greatest thing that you could do in his honor. Yeah, definitely. I know that I've said this line a million times about how, you know, we shouldn't feel ashamed of feeling grief or sadness for the loss of a person who we didn't know personally. But on top of that, I also think that there's something really sincere about gaining a sense of comfort or deriving a sense of comfort from someone that you never knew and only knew in their public image. And I think that at least from what I've seen, Bob Saget really was a source of comfort to a lot of people, whether he just reminded you of your childhood or emulated the sense of safety. And so that's also really real. And I just want to honor that. And our heart is with his family, his wife, his kids, everyone who knew him and loved him. And what an absolute loss to the world this one is. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. 
And I got originally from them the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. I also wanted to mention, if you're a weekly listener, you're probably confused why this episode is coming out on Tuesday instead of Monday. And what had happened was we recorded the episode on Sunday before the news of Bob Saget's passing. And we had it all ready to go because our producer was off on Monday. And then when this happened, we felt like it would have been so tone deaf to put out an episode and not touch on this. So we delayed the whole thing until Tuesday, just because it felt like kind of the right move. It was just an in the moment decision. And so thank you for your patience. And I think I'm sure you guys can understand why we made that decision. It just would have felt very bizarre to release an episode and not even touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. Also, coincidentally, because we ended up recording it Monday night, the Euphoria premiere was something we're able to include, which I guess I should say, spoiler alert, although we're not even going to do a recap, we're about to get into the Connie and Julia Fox stuff, but God, that was a good fucking episode. The world is a better place when Euphoria is back on TV. I really feel that way, although I have to tell you, Julie, this is not the type of TV that I'm cut out for. Like Being on edge for an entire hour is not something I typically enjoy by any means, but there's just something about the show that's so addicting that I'm almost willing to deal with how anxiety provoking it is. Maybe saying that the world's a better place with Euphoria back was an odd choice of words, maybe the wrong choice of words, but I think everybody gets what I mean when I say that. I think anytime that cast is on our screen, we're all better off for it, even if the show is as just triggering and intense as it is. You particularly are so funny watching it because you can't handle any ounce of like anticipation in a show. So Em is texting me as she's watching it today. And there's one particular part. I won't say what it is in case people haven't watched yet. And she's like, please just tell me, please just tell me this one part. Like I have to know. I'm like, no, just watch the show like a normal person. She writes back. I am not happy with you right now. (laughs) I was so upset. I kept pausing and I kept having to talk to myself and be like, it's just a TV show, Emma. You can do this. I, I really dislike that feeling of being on edge in any area of my life, even when it's fictional. And so not that my seal of approval means anything, but for me to be on edge for an entire hour, it, to me, is the greatest testament that a show is so incredible. Yeah. It's like you're on edge, but you know you have to watch and you want to watch. Also, Jacob Alordi, I was thinking about it today. If somebody asked me, like top five celebrity crushes, I think at this point in my life, and I would have never said this a few years ago, I think he's up there. I don't know where he would fall. He's definitely not in the number one spot. And I know on the show, he happens to be a complete psychopath, but that man is so objectively attractive. It's beyond. And I remember watching the kissing booth and being like, he's just tall. And then he cut his hair and he was on euphoria. And I was like, oh no, he is so much more than just tall. I think also you specifically had a very strong reaction to the kissing booth because you just (laughs) had a total fundamental opposition to it. Like maybe you liked it a little bit as a guilty pleasure, but not really. And so to watch him in this capacity, I feel like in your eyes, that was him maturing and you respect him so much more. (laughs) If we're really going to get into it, the first kissing booth was just like, 
okay, whatever, like this is a corny movie. And I had a very visceral reaction to people responding strongly to it, which is like, fine, it's your prerogative. But like, don't don't tell me to watch a movie like The Kissing Booth. Like if I want to watch it, I'll watch it. But this is not, this is certainly not a movie where you're like, oh my God, you have to see The Kissing Booth. No one does. But then I saw him in Euphoria and I was like, oh, he's talented too. Like he's like, there's depth to his character. And then I watched this man do like two or three other kissing booths. And I was like, no, no, you need a better entertainment lawyer if you're still trapped in this contract. I know that's what I think it was. You were so personally offended that somebody like him was willing to subject himself to that. Even though for me, I was obsessed with watching him in that capacity because it was so low stakes. You know, like this that was a zero stakes movie. Whereas this to me, Euphoria is like one of the higher stakes show I personally have ever watched. So one thing you have to give him is that the guy definitely has range. He definitely has range. You're right. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for the Kanye Julia Fox stuff? And I say that as a take off the robe that I'm wearing just to have my t-shirt on because I know I'm about to start sweating. I'm ready for the Kanye Julia Fox stuff because I'm so excited to talk about it, but I'm also a little hesitant because there is so much here that I'm a little personally confused about all of it. Yeah. Okay. Let me be super transparent just with you guys. This is a moment where I feel like I am so lost in the crowd and I just need to process it as a group because I'm thoroughly confused and I feel like I have zero authority on this particular situation, even though I have done nothing but look into it, research, read, listen to things that she's been on. I mean, I read every single article and still my mind is just spinning and I pray to God other people feel that way. Let's re-break it down together. Okay, so... Where were you on January 6th when the interview magazine piece drops titled Date Night? I think I was with you. (laughs) Yeah, we were together. We were absolutely spiraling together. We were so confused, Julie. I was like, for a second, I was like, why is she making me think that we weren't together? (laughs) No, no, no. You and I were together. I'm talking to the general public of like, I need to know where every single person was because I know if you are listening to this podcast, especially if you listen every week, you had a similar reaction to we did of... What the fuck is going on? (laughs) I'm still in a state of what the fuck is going on. Let's get into it. Basically, this piece drops an interview magazine titled Date Night. And it's a series of photos from Julia Fox and Kanye's night together in New York after their stay in Miami, accompanied with a short little piece narrated by Julia of her experience with Kanye. It is literally only two paragraphs, and I just need to read it so that we can all be on the same page. Okay. I met Ye in Miami on New Year's Eve, and it was an instant connection. His energy is so fun to be around. He had me and my friends laughing, dancing, and smiling all night. We decided to keep the energy going and fly back to New York City to see Slave play. Ye's flight landed at 6, and the play was at 7, and he was there on time. I was impressed. After the play, we chose to do dinner at Carbone, which was one of my favorite restaurants, obviously. At the restaurant, Ye directed an entire photo shoot for me while people dined. The whole restaurant loved it and cheered us on while it was happening. After dinner, Ye had a surprise for me. I mean, I'm still in shock. Ye had an entire hotel suite full of clothes. It was every girl's dream come true. It felt like a real Cinderella moment. I don't know how he did it or how he got all of it there in time, but I was so surprised. Like who does things like this on a second date or any date? Everything with us has been so organic. I don't know where things are headed, but if this is any indication of the future, I'm loving the ride. Like, (laughs) what are you supposed to make of that? 
What is the turnaround time from meeting in Miami on New Year's Eve to being able to have a full wardrobe? Like my question, honestly, is were they sitting at dinner on New Year's Eve and Kanye was like, out of curiosity, like what are all of your measurements? (laughs) See, here's the thing. That to me is the least surprising or at least notable of all of this because as we said, I feel like Kanye only knows how to express his love in these grand gestures. So the way that that all happened, I'm honestly not even so concerned with. It's more so, I'm trying to say this without sounding really mean because I don't mean to, but the juvenile nature of this article, which sounds like a diary entry from eighth grade, which maybe there's something playful and fun about this, but I just feel like what Kanye is trying to do, which is constantly elevate himself and associate himself with this high fashion. And obviously we know that right after this article comes out, the Gap Yeezy Balenciaga collaboration drops. And so clearly this was all integral in that announcement. And I get it. It feels very branded, but like this to me is not the writing that I would associate or that I would think Kanye would want to associate with this type of grand gesture. And maybe that's because my perception is off, but that was my first gut reaction. To me, I have like two different schools of thought and one is definitely that one where I'm like so confused. And if I was Kanye, I would be so embarrassed by like, okay, I do this really grand gesture for this girl that I'm trying to court while simultaneously still trying to win my ex-wife back, but that's a whole other story. And then she writes a piece about it, like very clout chasingly. On the other hand, I think there's also a side of Kanye, or maybe this is the entirety of Kanye that I then go to, which is like, I think for Kanye and his level of narcissism and the way he sees himself and the genius he sees himself as, and maybe is like, the idea of art is whatever he dictates it to be. And therefore this entire experience and this entire date with Julia Fox and this short lived or long lived relationship, whatever it ends up being all falls under that category. And therefore every aspect of it is painfully on brand. Okay. Yes. And I think that that's a really good point and I really agree with it, but I just quickly want to clarify my stance to make sure that we're on the same page about this or or not. I want to hear what you have to say. To me, this is not like something she did and then all of a sudden he was surprised by. I think he orchestrated this entire thing, meaning I think it was Kanye that went to interview Mag and made this all happen down to approving her entire entry. So I'm just kind of confused by it because I mean, to be clear, I don't think he wrote it. I do think that she wrote it or she had help in writing it. But yes, it's like, I'm confused because I definitely think this was something that had his full seal of approval and that he was the mastermind behind. Yet at the same time, it seems so the opposite of what I guess I would anticipate. I'm just so confused, really. I, that's where I am too. And I, I'm with you on that school of thought. And like the idea of everything falls under the guise of art definitely would then follow the logic of like, he was in on this the whole time too. The reason that I think we're all confused and like not seemingly taking that lane is because the way it comes off is very like girl who got a boyfriend and then like prematurely set or like girl walked up with a guy one time and then like prematurely told everybody about it or prematurely decided that they were in love. And the guy was like, Whoa, what the hell is going on here? Like, that's what it comes off. Obviously that's not the case because like, obviously the grand gesture that Kanye is putting forth to her in terms of dressing her and having this whole photo shoot in Carbone leads somebody to believe that it is more the art of it all rather than like the one time hookup and post about it. But at the same time, 
I don't think we have ever had a situation where a celebrity is hooked up with another celebrity and then there's been an article two days later. No, that, that's why, but this entire thing is so performative to me, right? Like no aspect of it is real. And I guess, I don't mean real. I, I'm trying to choose my words more carefully, but I'm kind of losing the motive of any sort of eloquence because my brain is as jumbled as it's probably sounding. And I think that that's okay. I hope other people are reacting to this in that same way. It's like, I was really confused. And then I looked into her a little bit more, right? She's 31 years old. She had her debut role in Uncut Gems in 2019. She's worked as a model. She did the last nude edition of Playboy, which was in 2015. She's been a painter, a photographer. She's been married once before to a private pilot and they had a child together. She also has a podcast. She's been on various podcasts. She was apparently a dominatrix. Like She's had her hand in a lot of different things. And I decided to, by the way, in addition to doing photo shoots with Pete Davidson, which we'll get into in a second, but I decided to listen to her 2018 episode of We Met at Acme, which is kind of a podcast about dating hosted by a woman named Lindsay Metzlar. And I am very curious if other people listen to this episode, but I felt like it was a really seemingly authentic take on who Julia Fox is, more so than her own podcast, because I appreciate when someone's being interviewed. I just think it brings a different energy. And once I listened to that, this whole thing almost made a little bit more sense Well, that's funny because that's kind of what I was going to say where had she not written this interview magazine thing and I'd only been given a description of her, I would have thought that her and Kanye made an absolute 100% sentence together. And they still kind of make sense to me. Like her in description is kind of exactly lines up with who Kanye is and what we would assume Kanye is looking for in a woman and his next partner. It's the interview magazine and then on top of it, other interviews that she's doing, I believe there was another one in the cut that throws the entire thing off for me because I I don't know why. Like, I feel like this is a situation where we actually don't have to be that eloquent or careful in our choice of words because it's all this collective confusion of trying to figure it out because it's so out of our realm of what we're used to in terms of just celebrities dating, which I guess is always going to happen when you have a situation with Kanye like this because He's kind of out of our realm of of what we know to be true. But I think as the public and as fans of pop culture and celebrity, we're so used to celebrity relationships following some sort of a predetermined pattern. So kind of like what we were talking about with Kim and Pete, where it's like, okay, you get a couple of paparazzi pictures. And even though that relationship is so confusing to us, the pattern in which it's following is really familiar. It's like, okay, we get a couple of paparazzi photos. We see them out at dinner. They go on vacation together. Like if it wasn't the two of them and they weren't in Staten Island, it would be all very par for the course. What you're seeing with Kanye and Julia Fox in terms of this very quick meet and quick turnaround and (laughs) two dinners at Carbone within the course of three days, it's like, it's a lot to process and it's a lot to try and like conceptualize in your brain. No, it really is. And a point that I want to make really clear is like, By the way, more power to her. Over the course of 24 hours, she became so much more exponentially famous than she was. And clearly this is somebody that knows how to work it. And even just listening to her speak, she's a big fan of manifestation. She really, you know, wanted to create whatever reality was for herself. And she did that. And like, good for her. I have no 
you know, hate, negativity, ill feelings towards her. Like, good for you. If, if your goal is fame and domination in this way, like by domination, I mean world domination and just getting on the radar of as many people as physically possible, what better way to do it than be seen as one of the first women with Kanye West after his most public divorce from Kim Kardashian and kind of steal the spotlight in doing so? Like, good for you. Kudos if that is your goal. It's just, I think what I'm struggling with is to me, it feels all like performance art. That's, that's, I think what it is. Right. Which again, when you take the idea of performance art, it's like, does that almost make it make more sense then? Probably, honestly, especially because of the element that I don't think can be ignored, as I said previously, which is the brand integration of all of this, you know, Balenciaga, this is a huge play for Kanye. And by the way, just last week, I think it was last week's episode when we were talking about exactly this, about how we thought it was going to be Kim coming out as the creative director of Balenciaga or some sort of a move. And now we find out there's this huge activation between Easy Gap and Balenciaga, which was maybe one of the things that they were all gearing up for and kind of similar to what we were talking about last week. So it actually makes a lot more sense once you consider that element Okay, I think this would be a good time to reference the New Yorker article by Naomi Fry. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that because I was just about to say Naomi Fry makes a really good point in her article about Balenciaga kind of being the fifth character in this Kim, Pete, Julia Fox, Kanye West whole situation. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Exactly. So the article is titled Kim and Kanye and Pete and Julia. We'll put the link in the description. I'm just going to read one paragraph for it that I think gives a kind of good sense. It's entirely possible that there's never been a blunter example of the merging of business and pleasure than the Fox West coupling, nor of a more aggressive attempt to snare the public interests. Curiously, Fox not only shot a spread with Davidson for Paper Magazine back in 2019, but also served as a skims ambassador the year after. The world is perhaps smaller than we think. Compared to Kardashian, who is perhaps the most famous woman in the world, Fox seems accessible, and West's choice to dress her seems not unlike his move to serve as the bridge between Balenciaga and the Gap, sending the message that a certain kind of lifestyle is achievable for the average person. 
And yet the whole affair's over-the-topness, its quickness, its cheerful publicness, its obvious links to branded content, seems in a way more frank than a seemingly more spontaneous celebrity coupling, such as Kardashian and Davidson's. Which, that last line, I know it's not the point of this entire article, but I quickly just want to draw on that comparison. I know so many people feel like the Kim Pete thing is so staged and it's a publicity stunt, which I know from early on, you and I have said that that's not our belief at all and it still is not mine in the slightest. But I feel like there's never been a stronger argument for how not a publicity stunt Kim and Pete is than comparing it to this. It's funny because a lot of people have made the point of saying that the Kim and Julia Fox relationship is a publicity stunt. And I don't think that means that they don't or do think that Pete and Kim is. I think separate and apart from it, they also believe this level of publicness and the articles leads this to be publicity. For me, the way that I kind of feel about it is it's definitely public, but not necessarily for the reasons that we would assume in terms of just celebrity and culture and clout. To me, it feels so public, maybe on Julia's end, for those reasons, which I say with zero judgment, I do not blame her for that. If you're dating Kanye West and you are an actress and you're about to have the year of your life, then you really should milk that for all it's worth. Even if it is a hundred percent real relationship and you do feel that way, I support however you decide to go about that. But for Kanye, it, it feels like publicity for the sake of getting at him. And that's the added layer to this whole relationship that kind of almost leaves Julia out of it. Okay, so I'm really happy that you said that because I was curious your take on that. I think I'm wrong. Like, I think that most people would disagree with me and that's totally fine. I think that makes for more interesting conversation. I somehow don't feel like that. I don't feel like this is supposed to get back at Kim because if the goal was to get back at Kim, I guess in my mind, I feel like there would be more effort put into the perceived authenticity of it. So I guess for me, if like I'm doing an equation, the way that that it feels so performative almost takes away from any real impact it would have on Kim, where it was like, if Kanye seemed like he was in love with someone, maybe that would be kind of different. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off. But that's why, I don't know. I guess I didn't feel like that, but I think that nobody agrees with me. So maybe I'm wrong. Can I tell you why you don't feel that way? Why? I think you don't feel that way. I think it has nothing to do with anything you just said. I think you don't feel that way because in order for it to get at Kim, it would have to get at Kim. And I think that you and your mind know that like, even if she thinks this whole thing is ridiculous and for show, there's no part of her that's sitting here being like, wow, I hate that he's doing this for another girl. Or like, wow, I wish that was me. And you know that fact, like something that I was taught a while ago, and I don't even remember who said this to me, but like one of the most important things I learned was like, communication is receiver oriented. And I think for you, when you're looking at this, it's like this relationship is receiver oriented. So if it is with the intention of annoying him, she would have to play an active role in that. And because you know that in your mind, she's not doing that. The first part of it is non-existent for you. Yes, you are hundred percent right. Literally no notes. That's exactly what it is. I, and I'm so glad we just talked that through. (laughs) I, I think I view Kim in this light and especially as it applies to her relationship with Kanye, where I just view her as so deeply above it in every sense of the word that I guess to me, it's like, if this is the goal, well, that one failed. You failed with motherfucking flying colors, because let me tell you something, Kim Kardashian, boss, CEO, 
fucking goddamn icon. This is the last thing that she is concerned with. That's how I feel. Cause, and also let's add in the layer of, I feel like the best thing Kim ever did was divorcing Kanye. I feel like she's going to have a whole new lease on life after the fact. So I'm sure that that plays into my feelings on it. And I think that you hit the nail on the head and I genuinely have no follow-up to that because you're completely accurate. So I agree with you in the sense of, I don't, I think Kim is absolutely above it. And I think she feels she's above it. I don't think that has anything to do with Kanye not recognizing that fact. I think if Kanye's intention here is to make him mad or make him jealous, her feelings on it and her actually reacting to it is like 0% a factor to him because I think in his own mind, he can't even imagine a world where she wouldn't. Right. And just to clarify, you're saying because kind of of the level of narcissism or just self-importance that he has in himself, that's where that comes from, correct? On one level, yes. On another level, I think it's natural to end a marriage and assume that your involvement with another woman would somehow affect your ex-wife. God, the whole thing is just so crazy. And then meanwhile, while all of this is going on, see, wait, this is the point that I wanted to mention, right? It's like, this is going on. It's this grand display even given the fact that we know it is kind of performative, even some sources have said, you know, so much of this was a brand move. And yeah, Kanye enjoys Julia. He thinks that he's a, she's a smart, fun, energetic woman who he enjoys spending time with, but it's not like this is the love of his life. Even knowing that, we have that on one hand. And then at the same time, we're seeing paparazzi photos of Kim and Pete at the outlets in California. When, when has Kim Kardashian ever been spotted at an outlet mall in her entire life? So all of a sudden, Kim and Pete, which in our minds was like the craziest celebrity coupling in the world, becomes almost synonymous with normalcy c- compared to the alternative that her ex-husband is, is doing. So it's like a real, it's a real mind fuck for fans of pop culture these last two weeks with this whole situation. Like if you are in deep on this, I think that you absolutely, your head spinning. To the outlet thing for a second. I think every time Kim and Pete do something that's so quote normal, their relationship actually makes more sense to me from the Kim angle of it, because I think that is what she's chasing right now. I think every time they do an activity that makes her feel normal, like if they were to walk into a grocery store, I think that is a high for her that she can't get anywhere else. And that's the aspect of the relationship that that's what she gets out of it. I think she gets so much from being with Pete. I think it's very fun for her. I think there's obviously a sexual element to it. I think the overarching theme here is this chase for normalcy. Right. And that's kind of what we've been saying. And take it to example A, a movie in Staten Island. Example B, spending the night in Staten Island, seemingly at his apartment. So this outlet outing almost just feels like a natural continuation to what we believed to be the reality of the situation. Right. There's another element of this that I want to talk about as well with Julia Fox, which is the fact that she has been very public about liking the Kardashians or her adoration of the Kardashians over the years, which I actually really don't think that she should be faulted for. Of course she shouldn't. This is what's so ridiculous. People are so excited and have this real like deep-rooted sense of enthusiasm towards pinning women against each other. And so once they found that little nugget of information, they were so excited to share it almost as like a gotcha moment, both to Kim or Julia, depending on what side you see it. Because if it's 
on the Julia side, it's like, wow, all she wanted was to become part of that family. She made a joking comment about that in her podcast. And what better way to do that than to date Kanye West? And on the other side, if you're, you know, a diehard fan of Kim, that makes you feel like you have to hate Julia Fox. You feel like, oh, please, that's fan behavior. But if you just don't look at it from either side and just accept it for what it is, it's really just funny. It's actually, to me, it's it's nothing to speak of other than something that makes her really relatable. <laughs> the way I feel about it is, if you catch me dating Scott Disick, pretend you've never heard this podcast before. <laughs> Are you speaking something into reality? I, I'm not speaking into reality. I'm covering bases. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, don't you agree though that it's it's not something that she should be embarrassed about at all? Like what, she she's supposed to hide the fact that she's also a fan of one of the most famous families in the entire world, just on the off chance she happens to date Kanye West. Like, I think it's really cool of her. No, of course. I mean, listen, they're not some small town family that she discovered and then became a part of. Like, they're the Kardashians. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody that hasn't spoken about them over the years. Now, it's funny because the conspiracy theorist in me wants to bring up like the theory that this is all to get back at Kim and Julia Fox being such a big fan of the family was so willing to help Kanye in his endeavor here. Yeah. I don't think that's true, but there is the part of me that's like, let's fuck around and throw that out for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not a belief that I subscribe to, but if you're in the business of wanting to consider conspiracy theories, that's a damn good one. I have to say also in terms of their relationship, just Kanye and Julia Fox for right now, there must be something inherently different about it because he's been linked to other women since this divorce happened. Obviously, Irina Shank, most famously. Nothing of the sort in terms of doing him doing any of these grand gestures has come out. This seems to be something that's very specific to Julia. So it must be something a little bit more than the past ones. And there must be something more that he sees in her than his other relationships. So it's not like I'm doubting the legitimacy of it because there's clearly something there. It's just like so confusing to me still. Well, I think to me, the really important distinction on that point is that it's not that this signals anything different romantically, like that they have anything different than he had with anyone else. I think to me, if you want to kind of pinpoint what's different about it is that clearly we know, you know, Kanye is a perfectionist. He is so anal about any sort of his associations. And so clearly he must see something in her romantic aside that he feels like she is the person that he wants to create this story with, that he wants to have this brand association with, and that he is proud in whatever way for her to be that person. And so to me, it's really not about the romantic interest. It's more so about the way that he views her almost in his business mind or in his artistic mind. Don't you feel like if this wasn't public at all and they were just dating, but all this information about who Julia Fox is and the work that she had done and her interests had come come out, you would be like, oh my God, this literally makes so much sense. Yes, I think that it, it would make a lot of sense. But the way that it's done here, even though I am so thoroughly confused, it somehow makes even more sense because it's Kanye. And I think that I'm just forever confused by everything he does. And I think that that's the exact reaction that he wants to elicit. So clearly he's doing something right, even though I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think that's exactly what he's doing. And I think that is as Kanye as something gets. Yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I mean, I know we say this a lot, but like truly from the bottom of my heart, thank God we have a podcast to discuss this because 
personally for me, I feel so much better after just having that conversation. Even though I don't feel any more necessarily resolved on my thoughts, it just felt really good to speak it out loud. Yeah, that's how I feel too. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Just two other quick things that we wanted to mention. The first is, as you all know, back in June and September, rumors were swirling about the weekend Angelina Jolie because they were seen on two different occasions having dinner at Giorgio Baldi. And I remember us talking about it saying we didn't necessarily think it was romantic. We thought that it was potentially more business-based, although how fun would that be? And then he releases his fifth studio album on Friday. And in one of the songs, Here We Go Again, there's a lyric that said, and my new girl, she a movie star, my new girl, she a movie star. So of course that sent the internet into a frenzy. And you know what? I think it's just more fun to believe that that's what's going on because how fun would that be? 
Oh, that would be so fun. I love artists confirming things without confirming them in their music. Like that is one of the most fun parts of an album coming out aside from the music is just like decoding those lyrics, especially when you have somebody whose personal life is as public as their music career, like The Weeknd. And so I remember doing that, you know, decoding his lyrics about Bella Hadid and the whole internet doing that. And they're still kind of doing that. So to be able to do that about Angelina Jolie is definitely something that I never expected, but I am so happy to be able to do. (laughs) Me too. And also I have to wonder if, let's just say that this is real, like this is really happening. That really is about Angelina. Did he run this by her first? Is this something she was down for? You know, I don't know. I wonder all of those things. I wonder if that means they're still together. Can I tell you my dream? I know it's not going to happen, but I just want to throw out a dream and maybe somehow this could manifest into something real. Can I say it? Yes, please. We know that the Grammys are postponed. Okay. So assuming that they happen in the next few months and the weekend does go, clearly we know that he's had a lot of issues with the Grammys in the past. Imagine he walks the red carpet with Angelina motherfucking Jolie. Uh, That's so insane. Like that's, that would be insane. Mine was just like, all I wanted was like another Giorgio Baldi spotting this week. No, I'm, I'm primed by the Giorgio Baldi stuff. Don't get me wrong. I would love it. I would celebrate it. I'd be thankful for it. But God damn, imagine a red carpet. It's not going to happen. But just for 30 seconds, everybody picture how fun that would be and also how much we would all freak out. We would lose it. Yeah. Okay. The last thing that we wanted to quickly mention is, and I'm sorry, I know so many of you do not care about this, but I know some of you do because we got a lot of DMs. The Hype House's Netflix show finally came out. I haven't watched the whole thing. I only watched a few episodes. I think you watched more than me, actually. I'm on episode four. Oh, so am I. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, you have probably gotten a sense of my TV watching habits, which is I do it really minimally, and I have a very short attention span, which is not something I'm necessarily proud of, but you would expect, and I expect that I would love the show. It's 30 minutes. It's about all the TikTok drama, which I do really care about, but I don't know. I didn't find myself loving it as much as I thought I would. And I think it's because I just felt like a lot of it seemed more inconsequential than they were making it out to be. Although I know in the moment, it probably did feel like a big deal in their lives. What, where do you stand on it? So for me, like, the way that I view it is obviously culturally the hype house was like the front runner in terms of TikTok fame. And in terms of like the way we understand TikTok, I remember that really early article being done on the hype house and about half of the people who were in the original hype house. And from that first initial article were actually in the show. So it was a lot of characters that you maybe didn't feel as much of a connection to But with that being said, like Sway House was so much more a part of my TikTok identity. And I think for a lot of people who were really into the app, Sway House was more like the thing that you were invested in. And Hype House was more the thing you used to kind of explain TikTok to people who were new to the app. So for me, I was like, I don't really care about Hype House. I really care about Sway. And like, it's weird to me because I'm like, if you really knew it was good and you really knew it was important on the app this would be about Sway and not hype. (laughs) I kind of felt the same way, but their issue is that Sway fell apart too early on for them to be able to do this. And obviously since the show came out, Hype House kind of fell apart as well, or you're kind of watching the disintegration of it as the show went on. But I had a very similar reaction. And, you know, listen, the one thing that I do want to say is that 
the drama between Thomas and Little Huddy, while it may seem stupid to somebody watching it, I do feel like it was a really, you know, big deal for them and a defining moment in their friendship. And also these kids are so young and they were faced with such massive opportunities so early on. And like, I can imagine how overwhelming and exciting that all is. And I did like getting a sense of that, but I think you're right. I think it was that I felt so much of a more like personal, I fucking feel like such a loser, a personal connection to Sway that <laughs> I I lost it a little for the hype thing. At the same time, though, I'm so happy for them. And if they could get a season two, I would celebrate that on their behalf. Right. Like Hype House felt like TikTok 101 and we were way past the entry level course to like be too invested in it. Also, something that actually like that's a real criticism of the show for me. And I think the reason that I didn't love it as much as I maybe expected to, which don't get me wrong. I was like fascinated by it. Like it was so my type of show. And I do feel like I know the characters pretty well and enough to feel invested in them. The thing that left a bad taste in my mouth was the first episode where Thomas makes a comment about all of the people that Hype House launched. And he's like, Addison Ray, Charlie D'Amelio. Like, Charlie and Addison's involvement in Hype House was what made Hype House known. It wasn't the other way around. Hype House didn't bring Charlie to the forefront. And I think ever since that comment was made, it was hard for me to watch the show with a straight face because I'm like, you're incorrectly marketing who you are. Yeah, I... And he did receive a lot of backlash for that. And I think if you go back, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly how much of an impact like the idea of the Hype House had on them because clearly they were breakout stars. And so whether you want to say that the Hype House helped to launch them, it, it was their own personalities or their dancing abilities or whatever it was, just the way that they captured public interest that really propelled them. So I think that it was a little bit of an too much of an overarching statement. Yes, I very much agree with that. Although, let's not forget, back in the early, early days, like, <laughs> this, is so, this is so embarrassing. Thomas was driving Charlie to Duncan every single day, you know? Like, think about our early, early days of understanding this stuff. Like, he really was so... I feel like um, helpful and supportive of her early on in her journey that still, I, I don't believe that they can at all be credited for Addison or Charlie or Dixie's success by any means. But there is some legitimacy to the fact that they were very connected early on and there was some involvement there. Oh, absolutely. The, Thomas absolutely played a role in Charlie's life and Charlie's adjustment to LA and this new lifestyle. But prior to the hype house, Charlie's cloud had already grown to a place that was like unheard of on TikTok. So it wasn't like Charlie was this mid-level creator, hype house took her in and all of a sudden she blew up, which is kind of the tone of what it made it seem. It was like Charlie was the second most followed person on the app. Charlie had her own following that was just astronomical and like never heard of before. And then she joined Hype House and they kind of helped her with that transi transition of fame and helped her maybe with brand deals and helped her maybe with her relationship with Lil Huddy and, and integrating her in that sort of way. But it definitely didn't bring her to the forefront of fame. No, no. Yes. It, not in the slightest. And I mean, I think she was just as confused as to how she took off in that way as the rest of everybody was not because she's not talented or anything. I mean, you know, I like adore Charlie and have so much respect for the way that she's handled all of this fame, I think very gracefully, but it was kind of overnight and she was very confused in the beginning how it all happened. So yes, important distinction to be made, but wow. <laughs> 
what a what a fucking roller coaster of an episode that was. And like maybe one of the most ups and downs of an episode we've ever had. Yeah, that was wild. There's like, I know I say this all the time. There is literally no one else in the entire world that I could do this with other than you. Obviously, bravo for Isabel as well. I feel the same way about her in that regard. I'm just speaking with this these types of topics. Like, what would we do without each other? I genuinely don't know. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. It's such a scary reality to even consider. I don't even want to think about it. I know. Okay. Well... We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. I'm going to put that link I spoke about earlier in the description. And wow, I just am so glad to have this place to be able to talk about these things with. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.